You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Morning, church. So glad you're here. Welcome to Hope Bible Church. Let's get our Bibles open to the book of Haggai. Uh, between services, oh, that's all. you guys are so great. I love that. I already got a few hey guys. I was going to say, uh, between services, I went out to the parking lot and I was running out to get something from my car and a car went by and went, hey, hey guy. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Here we go. Hey guy. If you weren't, you weren't here last week, you're very confused, but that's okay. You'll catch up later. Um, we're in the book of Haggai, a third to last book in the Old Testament. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. That's how I remember the last four books. And um, you can find yourself there, small book, but big book of change and impact. Our tagline is a call from complacency to conviction, a call from indifference to ignition, ignition. And we're praying the Lord is going to be moving among us. And I just, Lord, come on, Lord, come on, Lord, like move among us, man. Uh, uh, Not just with me, I pray with your church and encourage and even today in this service right now, come on, Lord, fill and God, we need more of you. Uh, we need more of your spirit uh, to move in our midst. On that note, there's a prayer in the back of my Bible um, that I love and pray often. It's there for that reason. It's actually uh, it's a hymn written by Philip Bliss, but it's called My Prayer. I want to put up on the screen for you. Um, I just want to just walk through this slowly. It's really what we're seeking to go for. Um, I've always been encouraged by this. I pray you will too. The first verse says this. Uh, More holiness give me, more strivings within, more patience and suffering, more sorrow for sin. Yes, Lord. More faith in my Savior, more sense of his care, more joy in his service, more purpose in prayer. Notice more, 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 more. We're not more of ourselves, not more of the world. We need more of the Lord. We need more of him in our lives. The second verse says this, more gratitude give me more trust in the Lord, more zeal for his glory, more hope in his word, more tears for his sorrows, more pain at his grief, more meekness and trial, more praise for relief. It's good. And then verse three, more purity give me, more strength to overcome. I love this line, more freedom from earth stains, more longings for home, amen? More fit for the kingdom, more useful I'd be, more blessed and holy. Yes, Lord, more Savior like Thee. That is what we're praying for now in this series on Haggai. This is what we're asking the Lord to do. Only He can do it. What we need to ask and expect of Him. Just to recap where we are in Haggai, in case you're joining us for the first time, but even if you were here last week, just to get on the same page again, the context, the people... Um, We're in exile in Babylon, God's people. They have returned from exile now. They are beginning to rebuild the temple. That is found in Ezra chapter 3 and 4. But the opposition rises up to the rebuilding. The work stops. The people get discouraged. The people then move into apathy and complacency. Fast forward 15, 16 years later, Haggai, a prophet, is raised up by the Lord to shake the people from their self-indulgence, and the work begins again. That's chapter 1 of Haggai. However, what happens is only a few weeks later, God's people once again find themselves discouraged, and this is where we enter into Haggai chapter 2. And what we find here, here's our sermon title, we find it's a battle of discouragement versus hope. 
There's a battle of discouragement versus hope. But God now uses Haggai, we pray this happens today, to bring encouragement to his discouraged people. Now, when we're in God's word, allow me to point out something that sometimes we can miss. It's the obvious, but we're often, again, we're gazing so much, again, at the trees that we miss the forest, right? So we want to be close up in God's word, want to step back sometimes and observe what is happening to a greater degree across God's word. And what that is right now, I want you to notice God's people are discouraged yet again. And God encourages them. I want you to think of the totality of Scripture and how often, again, we have exhortations to not give up, to persevere, to fight through discouragement. So let's just step back far enough and recognize this. In the Christian life, to truly follow Christ, ready? Discouragement is normal. Discouragement, you should be ready to fight against discouragement. Here's what also is normal in the Christ follower, again, person life is, listen, there will be a fight for joy on a daily basis. To fight for joy is normal. If you find yourself in that place right now and you are fighting for joy, welcome. Welcome to the calling of the Christian life. Welcome to the reality of this side of heaven. There's another thing I want you to be aware of. When you're truly going to follow Christ, listen, the temptation to give up will be prevalent. Now, I didn't say we give up. I said the temptation to give up will be found upon us on a frequent basis. This is one of the things that God's Word is trying to point out to us on a daily basis. So in this North American brand of Christianity, which is so often prevalent and so often false, Often we trick ourselves into thinking life should be easy, life should be smooth, life should go the way I want it to, I won't have trial, I won't have heartache, I won't have suffering, I won't have any difficulty, because if I follow Christ and everything works out, what Bible are you reading? That's not in the Bible I have. In the Bible I have is deny yourself, take up your cross, promise of persecution, promise of suffering, promise of the fight against discouragement, promise for the fight for joy, promise that it's going to be difficult, promise that I have to die, that Christ becomes more. It's the promise of, again, this side of heaven is going to be tough. One of the principles we've thrown down from the first year of this church is this, okay? It's a principle of wisdom. Align your expectations with what the Bible actually teaches What does the Bible teach? This. It's going to be tough. What we do is we trick ourselves into thinking, oh, it's going to be simple, easy, no problem. And we've just moved out of God's will for our lives because that's not what God says. And so here we see again, it's tough. The people are discouraged. Again, we need to expect that, but it's what we do with it. And by the way, this is why this whole point of the reality of what we need from the Lord and each other, that's why this gathering right now here at Hope Bible Church is so critical. That's why we gather as the church. That's why these moments right now are the most sacred of our week. You will not get this in any and this way in any other part of your week to come together, to receive God's word, to encourage each other with song, to pray for one another, to find the community and the exhortation and encouragement and strengthening from fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. That's not happening anywhere else in this way. That's why this has to be the priority. The gathered church, we show up on time. We get our hearts ready. We're eager to be a part of this. We want to serve. We want to encourage other people and love other people because this gathered setting is God's design for the encouragement of his church 
that we might last in this difficult life because all the promises of perfection are coming in heaven. Not here yet, but one day soon. But for now, we struggle together in the midst of the battle of life with the hope of the return of Jesus Christ. This, this is the opportunity. That's why, again, that's why this is so special. All this right here, man. All this right here. Beautiful, powerful, and important. Don't forget that. Don't just come here, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, leave, go have lunch. No, 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 no. This is the bride of Christ. The family of God. He died for this church. He married his church. He gave everything for his church. So let's jump into Haggai now. And I want to go point one before I read the text. And so point number one is this. When discouragement closes in, be strong and work. Be strong and work. Why, why? Because God is with you. God is with you. Haggai 2, uh, Haggai 2, verse 1. Here's the introduction to Haggai's third sermon or oracle of this text. Notice, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, that is October 17th, 520 B.C. Um, notice this is just like three or four weeks after um, chapter 1. The word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now. To Zerubbabel, speak now to Joshua, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people and say, say what? Verse 3. Who is left among you who saw this house, that's the temple, in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, be strong, O Joshua, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. So I want to focus on verse 3 first. Look at verse 3. It's very telling. Three weeks earlier, the people were fearing God, obeying God, and fired up for the work of God. But three weeks later, the people become discouraged by what they see, but listen, really by what they don't see as well. Now, we come to the context of rebuilding the temple. We have to understand there were elders among the Jews. There were elders among the southern nation of Judah who were there to see the previous temple of Solomon in its former glory. Now, to understand Solomon's temple, Solomon's temple was extraordinary. A few facts to help us understand this. Solomon's temple required 180,000 men to build it. Now, just think about that. That's like one and a half times the population of Burlington or the one and a half times the population of Oakville, okay? 180,000 men. It took seven years to complete. Um, its construction consisted of 285 tons of gold. Tons. 625 tons of silver. Tons. And bronze beyond measure. Solomon's temple was magnificent. So, any comparisons that you would make to the present rebuilding compared to of what was would naturally result in some form of disappointment. In fact, Ezra 3 describes some of this. Ezra 3 describes as the foundations were being sent for the new temple, the temple that was being rebuilt, the elders, the priests, and the Levites who had seen the former glory, when they saw the new existing foundations and compared it to what was, they actually began to weep and wail in mourning. Because they were so filled with disappointment. 
It also says the younger men that were there that did not see the former temple in its glory, they were filled with shouts of joy, and they started shouting with joy and excitement. And the text says that the weeping and the wailing from the older men and the shouts of joy from the younger men, you could not distinguish between the two. There was such a noise and a ruckus. So if you look at verse 3 again, Haggai calling out to the people, they say, who see it as nothing in your eyes. So what's happening here with the elders here and God's people? They are flooded with comparison. And they were discouraged by what once was. You know what they were tempted with here? They were tempted with being those people who are all about the good old days. Are you one of those people? Ah, the good old days. Now, now, hey, I'm the first to say I'm thankful for the past. I'm thankful for the victories. I'm thankful for the joys. I love to look back at them fondly. But listen, to be a true Christ follower, right, to only look back and say, oh, man, it was so good when. All oh, the good old days. Nothing's any good anymore. Listen, listen, I have to understand, man. We forget what lies behind, but straining forward to what lies ahead. We pursue the upward prize of the call that is found in Christ Jesus, Philippians 3. It can't just be about the good old days and the people here they were. And why were they feeling this way? Well, how could they hope to achieve what once was 180,000 workers and immeasurable wealth? Notice here the two C's that often lead to great discouragement, okay? Notice the two C's of great discouragement. Number one, comparison and drawing conclusions. Be very mindful how the enemy loves to sow seeds of discouragement in our lives. What happens? When we contrast our work with others, when we contrast our lives with others, when we start making comparisons with people, how come I don't have what she has? How come I don't live in the house they have? How come I don't have that job? How come they get this and I don't? How come they have the ministry and I don't? How come that church has this and we don't? How come there? How come the past seems so much better than now? It's amazing to me how often when we compare, I notice when you're comparing, where are you looking? Here. You're always looking here. You're never looking here. It's always focusing on people around us. And what happens is the more you compare to what was what others have, the less you're looking at Christ. And if you're not looking at Christ, of course you're going to be discouraged. Because you're focusing on the temporal and the things around you. That's what contrast does or comparison does. Again, the sinful roots of comparison that so often lead to discouragement because our eyes are off Christ and therefore we lack faith. People in Haggai's time, they were saying, well, we cannot build like Solomon, so let us not build at all. See the problem with that? It'll never be what it was, so forget it. I give up. Some of you right now, you're tempted right now. You're here and you're like, no, it's not worth it, man. Why bother? I give up can't do it. I can't do it. Never going to be what it once was. Forget it. I give up. It's futile. That, that is stinking thinking. And you got to address that with the word of God right now. And by the way, I wonder who's here right now and you are discouraged. You are discouraged. I love what Psalm 3 says. Psalm 3 says, behold, my God is a shield. Listen, he is the lifter of my head. And I pray so much, man, the Holy Spirit's moving up, up and down each row and each seat. He's coming to you. And he's taking your head, and he's just, he's, he's, hey, hey, my child, my child, lift your head. Lift your head and look to the Lord. Stop looking down at yourself in the mirror, all the things around you. You look to the Lord, and you see the satisfaction that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, my God, is the lifter of my head. But in the lies of discouragement, enter the truth and the encouragement of God. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, he says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, be strong, Joshua, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work. 
work. Why? For I am with you. See the two commands there? Be strong. Be courageous. Don't give up. Don't stop working for the kingdom. Work. Work for him. And why? For I am with you, God says. That's awesome. I am with you. If God is for us, who can be? Against us, right? That's the reality. Apply the gospel to See what God's saying? He's listen, listen, listen. Don't give up. Be strong. I am with you. And last time I checked, I am God. And last time I checked, I can do all things. And last time I checked, I am sovereign. And last time I checked, no one can defeat me. And last time I checked, I hold the waters in the hollow of my hand. And last time I checked, I measure the span of the universe with my hand like this. Last time I checked, I am absolutely awesome. I am omnipotent and omniscient. And I am able to do whatever I want to do because I am God. Hey, people. Hey, my children. You be strong. You work. You work. Why? Because I'm with you. And if the people see with faith, they're like, yeah, good point, God. I like our chances, right? Hey, people of the gospel, are you alive in the Lord Jesus Christ? God says to you today, are you going to give up? How can you give up? He's with you. He's with us. He can do anything. He's unstoppable. He's absolutely amazing. And all of a sudden, just a little bit of faith fills our hearts. We're like, yeah, God, good point. Why would I give up? I'm not really sure. You're awesome. And you're the one who fills me. That's the reality of what's happening right here. The people will find their encouragement, not in themselves, but in the Lord again, the Lord who is with them. But notice, discouragement tempts us to do the opposite. And discouragement, I'm so tired. I get it, trust me, man. I got my bouts of discouragement. I'm so tired. And I don't want to work anymore. I'm tired of working. I'm tired of seeking the Lord's kingdom. I don't have it. I, I just, I'm too beat up. And God's like, oh man, I can do more through you. I could do so much more. Keep looking to me. Keep looking to me. Don't look around. Listen to Satan's lies. Look to me and you will see. Think about it. I, again, I, have, I got a lot of grace for all of this. How many of us look around the world that we live in? The darkness growing. We feel so tired, so exhausted, lacking courage. How many of us see the culture closing in? Opposition increasing. Becoming less motivated. To keep going. How many of us trying to lead our families and our children in hostile environments, overwhelmed with the pressures and weariness and weakness? How many of us hear the calling of the Great Commission and we become aware of the billions that are lost and without Christ? And we hear whispers from the enemy saying, It's too much, man. You can't do it. Just give up. It's too big. Your life can't make a difference. Look at you, just one little tiny person. You'll never add up to anything for the kingdom. Of God, what difference will your life make? Some of us we see, I just saw a wonderful documentary on Billy Graham just this weekend, and you're tempted to watch this documentary and see the mass, I mean, the impact of Billy Graham. How did that even happen? You're trying to be like, well, that won't happen again. Or like, where's the next Billy Graham? Or just like, unbelievable. And you're tempted, don't make your discouragement, say, can that happen again? And God's like, yeah, try me, Robbie. You see if you can stop me. Yeah, just, just get, get your eyes off yourself. Look up a little bit and let's see some faith rise and see what I'm able to do. Again, Billy Graham has passed away, okay? Thank the Lord for his life, right? The last time I checked, God's not relying upon any one man, right? God is doing, he's building his church and the gates of hell, again, will not prevail against it. So it's to you and me right now, the Lord says, be strong, be strong. How not in ourselves, in him. Work, not with our own strength, in his spirit, in him. Why? Because he is with us. Seek for his kingdom. Work for his kingdom. Why? Why? Again, because I am with you, declares the Lord. Now, some of you may say, well, this is the old covenant. You know, these amazing things happened in the old covenant. We're in the new covenant now. Oh, yeah? 
Let's see what the new covenant says about God being with us. Let's take the greatest commandment, or at least the greatest commission there is in terms of the church. Here's what we often do with the Great Commission. We book it at 19 and 20. And we just look at it right here. And we're like, i got to go make disciples, man. Good. i got to baptize people, man. i gotta, I got to teach everything that Christ taught. i got to do it. i got to try harder. And then we go out for a couple of days and we fall on our faces. And we're like, eh, we're lying there on the ground, right? And Jesus is like, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I gave that command in a context. It's called the bookends of the Great Commission. Uh, kind of important. So he starts off with this. And Jesus came and says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Peter's like, how much authority? He's like, all of it. All authority. All the authority in the universe to rise up, to put down, to save, to judge, to grant eternal life, to take it away. The authority over the planets and the stars, the authority over every single human being who's ever lived. The authority of all that we know. Jesus says, all the authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And in that authority, I command you to go. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to help you. I'm going to be with you. So we see the promise of his power. And then at the end of the Great Commission, notice this. We see the promise of his presence. And just in case his disciples are there and their knees are knocking, and like, how are we going to do this? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, by the way, I'm going to be with you. How long, Jesus, Peter says. He doesn't really say it. My paraphrase, okay? How long will you be with me? Always. What does always mean? To the end of the age? What about 2019? Still with you. What about next week when I don't feel that you're there? I'm still with you. I'm still with you. I am with you always to the end of the age. The promise of the Lord's presence, the promise of the Lord's power to fill and guide and build his church. Again, notice, power, presence, promise. Promise. Do we believe it? This, this is where discouragement doesn't stand a chance. Because the encouragement of the Lord and what he desires to do in us with the power of Christ and his Holy Spirit. That's a great lead into point number two. Point number two is this. When fear calls, let the Holy Spirit answer. Let the Holy Spirit answer. Look at verse five now. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, the same spirit who delivered you from Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Notice the result. Fear not. Bam. Fear not because my spirit Remains in your midst. So whenever I see capital S spirit in the Bible, Holy Spirit, honestly, my eyes light up and my heart becomes expectant. I just love it. Why? Because I love him. Love the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the single greatest game changer. We sang the song today. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Chains are broken. Right? Lives are transformed only by the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. Reminds me of that song, also that song, Hosanna. Um, when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. And just in case you didn't hear it again, washed away, the song says. I love it so much. In your presence, all our fears are washed. Isn't that so true? That's so true. You're filled with anxiety. You're so afraid of whatever. And the Spirit of God, oh, I pray you know this. The Spirit of God floods your life. The Spirit of God fills you again. The presence of God overcomes you. And all of a sudden, truly, that's so well said, the fears wash away. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Washed away. 
Hosanna. That's good. Of course, of course, they sing that. They sing that because the power and the presence of the Lord, it's he who does it. It's he who does it. The single greatest game changer. Question for you right now. We've got to seek the Holy Spirit. We've got to pursue him. Question, question. When's the last time you sincerely pursued the filling of the Holy Spirit again in your life? I'm not talking about right now going, yeah, yeah, Holy Spirit, he's important. When's the last time you did something about it? When's the last time you sought him, longed for him, prayed to him, invited him, repented before him, asked so much for him to dwell your life? Hey, this summer, Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine. Do not be drunk with beer. For that is debauchery, the Bible says. But be filled with the Spirit. The ongoing filling and the desire to be filled by God's Spirit on a daily basis. And when you're filled with God's Spirit, what happens? Thanksgiving, Ephesians 5. Thanksgiving floods your life. Unity, submission fills your life. And, and, and encouragement fills your life. And you see the, the, the fruit of God's Spirit overwhelm you. Do not be drunk with wine or beer. Temporal, empty pursuits of nothing. But be filled with the Spirit. For that is where life is lived. Again, verse 5, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. Literally, verse 5 says, the spirit is standing in your midst. Just as the pillar of cloud stood at the entrance of the tent of meeting in Moses' day. What about for new covenant believers? Well, the Holy Spirit in the old covenant was among his people. In the new covenant, ready? The Holy Spirit is in in his people. I mean, just think about that. If you are saved by grace, saved from your sins by the grace of Jesus, by faith in the blood shed on the cross for you, then you are now a temple, the Bible says, a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now has taken up permanent residence of insurance in you, in you. So think about that. When we're paralyzed with fear, and yet we give no credence to the Holy Spirit. When we fret and we're afraid, yet we don't pursue his presence. I mean, whose fault is that? We don't long for his filling. Whose fault is that? When we complain to the Lord about his absence in our lives, and yet we grieve his spirit with our sin, and we quench his spirit with our unbelief. I mean, whose fault is that? How can we blame God? How can you blame a perfect God? When you're perfect, you never do anything wrong. So who's at fault when this is taking place? Well, we have to look in the mirror. If I'm sensing there's a, a, an absence or there's a lack of power and strength of God's filling, it can't be his fault. It has to be my fault. The problem must be with me because it can't be with God. I'm telling you, when fear calls, man, allow the Holy Spirit to pick up the phone. He is the game changer. The phone's ringing. The phone's ringing. It's for you. The Holy Spirit's like, I got this one. Hello? I'm not sure how the Holy Spirit sounds, all right? Hello? And fear, as soon as fear hears the voice of the Holy Spirit, fear just hangs up and runs away. Like he doesn't stand a chance. Fear doesn't stand a chance. Doesn't stand a chance of the power of God's Spirit filling our lives. When fear calls, man, let the Holy Spirit answer. Let's do a little bit of a Bible study here. I love this. Let's go through, let's say, New Testament. How about the book of Acts with a few verses of the role of the Holy Spirit in the early church? But you, Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and then through there. I want to be a witness for Christ, not without him, 
not without Him. The Holy Spirit is the difference maker. The Holy Spirit, He. By the way, the Holy Spirit's not an it. He's a He. He's a person. It's wonderful, awesome, and glorious. Next verse. Acts chapter 4. Love this. When they had prayed in the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice the result. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The game changer. Again, for boldness over fear is the Holy Spirit. Next verse. Just in Acts. Acts 7. I love this so much, okay? He, Stephen. The context of Acts 7, Stephen is being murdered at this moment. Rocks are crushing and fracturing his skull. He is in the midst of dying physically. I mean, talk about a situation to be overcome with fear. Look what happens. But he dying for his faith with rocks crushing his skull, my paraphrase, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. What? How is that possible? It's only possible in the Holy Spirit of God. Spoke to a sweet lady last week. Family's in a huge crisis. Their young, young child, two years old, diagnosed with cancer. She comes up and explains the situation to me. And in the midst of it, she says, I cannot explain it. She says, I cannot explain it. Almost like no words to describe. She's like, in the midst of this situation, I feel so blessed. I feel so blessed. And you're like, huh? Like the world hears that and it's like, what? How's that possible? Only by him, telling only by him, man. The peace that passes understanding, it's only granted by the Holy Spirit of God. Next verse, Acts 9. So the church through all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace. It was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort. And the comfort, I love these verses, like, like, the Holy Spirit, notice, it multiplied. It, it, he, he is the difference maker. And then Acts, one more verse than we have here. Acts 13. And the disciples were filled with joy. Now, joy and the Holy Spirit always go together. Why? Well, because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And it goes on, right? So we see here, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, thanksgiving giving fills our lives and hearts again Ephesians 5 and right here the joy that comes with the Holy Spirit of God again again listen listen I'm not sure how you treat the Holy Spirit but I'm teaching and exhorting you right now to look at him the way the Bible tells us to look at him this church is not father son holy Bible this church is father son holy spirit okay and one God in three persons that we reveal that's revealed in the Bible but the Holy Spirit again a person to be worshipped and praised and prayed to and longed for and love him and invite him, sing to him. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in my heart. Come flood this life and fill me with holy fear. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. And Holy Spirit, just move right now. Move right now in this church. Among these people, do it, do it, Lord, do it. We can't, it'll never be by me. It has to be you. 
long for you. You're real. You're so, you're so perfect and awesome and so loving. And you exalt Christ. And you give us the ability to worship and have faith in our Father in heaven, Holy Spirit. It's you. It's you. A church filled with men and women and children pursuing the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. It's just a church that doesn't stay the same. It just changes when discouragement closes in, be strong. When fear calls, let the Holy Spirit answer. And thirdly, when doubt stirs, let the Lord shake things up, would you? Where are you getting that from? The Bible. Look at verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts. Remember, he just said, fear not, right? Because my spirit's with you. And notice the outcome. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens. And I will shake the earth and shake the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all the nations. So the treasures of all the nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Now, three things I want us to notice in these verses here is the Lord's power, the Lord's provision, and the Lord's peace. Power, provision, peace. Look at the first phrase in verse 6. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Do you know in verses 6 to 9, that phrase occurs five times. Five times in four verses. Thus says the Lord of hosts, or declares the Lord of hosts. It occurs six times in nine verses in our passage. Like, what is happening there? The Lord is repeating himself over and over and over again in this phrase. Declares the Lord of hosts. An incredible statement of sovereignty. What's he saying to his people? He's like, hey, discouraged people? He's like, I'm in charge. Hey, discouraged people? I got this. Hey, discouraged people? I got your back. Hey, discouraged people? I'm speaking. Hey, discouraged people, man, I'm in control. Hey, discouraged people? I'm sovereign. Hey, discouraged people? Nothing, nothing is beyond my sight. Hey, discouraged people? I'm in control of the universe and this earth. Hey, discouraged people? I got your back, declares the Lord of Hulse. And again, again, I want us to see right now. I want us to get the big picture right now. God right now. Again, if you are discouraged in this place, make it personal right now. Discipline yourself to receive this message. Of, look, at how, look at how much God wants to encourage his people. He comes up to them. He's like, hey, man, I love you. I got you. My spirit's with you. Don't fear. Don't fear. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. Declares the Lord. Declares the Lord. Declares the Lord. Make it personal right now for your life. Make it personal. God comes up to you right now, living God, sovereign over the universe. He comes up to you right now, and he says, I want you, daughter, I want you, son, to be encouraged. Because I love you, and I'm for you, and I got your back. The power of the Lord and his encouragement upon our lives, make it personal, make it personal right now. Now, when God talks about shaking the heavens and the sea and the nations, the question can be, who is this referring to? When will this prophecy be fulfilled? Great question, okay? In the Old Testament, when a prophecy like this is made, there is quite often a, a, a multiple layers of fulfillment. So one of the ways this is articulated and taught, again, in certain Bible classes, a picture of the mountain range here, it's the idea of mountain ranges. When you look at a mountain range, what's happening is you're seeing mountains up close, you're seeing mountains intermediate, and you're also seeing mountains way in the distance. But it's kind of one picture, but there's like hundreds of miles separating between uh, the mountain ranges. 
That's what's often happening in biblical prophecy in the Old Testament. So if we go to the next slide, we'll see this. When God says, I will shake the nations, there's a fulfillment of this in Haggai's time. I, I, he's going to shake the nations. He, he's going to make sure that the temple is rebuilt. There's a fulfillment of this in the coming. There's lots of debate with commentators surrounding verses 6 to 9. Well, we believe this is really solid here. There's a fulfillment again in that this will happen in Christ's incarnation. When Christ comes to the earth, he's shaken the nations. His, his latter glory will be greater than the first, verse 9. And of course, the ultimate fulfillment in the long run, in the distant mountain range, is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will fill my house with glory. I mean, think about that. So God's presence will be established in the temple again short term. The holy of holies, the Shekinah glory. But imagine the day when Christ for the first time, Jesus Christ, John 1, and the word became flesh and tabernacle dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. The first day when Jesus walks into the temple, Indeed, something greater than Solomon is here. When Jesus walks into the temple, he is the personification literally in the flesh of the glory of God. Fulfilled, we believe, again, in the promise made here through the prophecy of Haggai and Haggai's time when Christ comes to the earth and then ultimately fulfilled when Jesus Christ returns in his second coming, the shaking of the nations that will result. But again, let us drop back here. This is what we're doing. We're in Old Testament prophecy. Look at verse 8. And verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. Why does God say that? Well, in the immediate context, some people, again, among Haggai's time, they were like, man, we're too poor. We can't rebuild the temple. We don't have money. And God's like, um, try me. God's like, the coins I've lost in my couch cushions are infinite wealth. You know what I'm saying? Like God is unlimited in every capacity. God has access. The silver and gold is mine. The cattle belong to me in a thousand hills, God says. There's nothing he cannot do. When it comes to rebuilding the temple and financing it, he's like, ah, yeah, I think I can do that. He's like, how about you stop looking at yourself? How about you look at me? And let's see my provision come into play. It's absolutely unlimited this is the god that we serve his power his provision notice his peace in verse 9 look at verse 9 the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former says the lord of hosts and in this place i will give peace declares the lord okay so the latter glory of this house shall be greater the ultimate fulfillment of that, again, is Christ's coming and then the second coming of Jesus Christ. And when you've seen this and know this, the peace of God that floods your life. Listen, um, there's one place in the New Testament that Haggai is quoted. And I want us to turn there together now because it's quoted right from chapter 2. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Let's turn there together. Hebrews chapter 12. I think you'll be very encouraged by this as I was this week. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26, okay? Let's hear those pages turning. Let's go. I don't ask you to turn too much. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26, this is where, again, the only time in the New Testament, Haggai's quote, as I said, 
And this is a direct quote from Haggai 2, 6 and 7. Hebrews 12. Now the context here is the contrast of Old Covenant Sinai with New Covenant Kingdom. Okay? It's perfect right here. Notice verse 26. At that time, Sinai, his voice, God's voice, shook the earth. But now he has promised, here's the quote from Haggai, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Say, well, what does that mean? God's word describes it, verse 27. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. So that is awesome. That's saying God is going to shake, shake the nations, shake the earth again, shake the heavens. And what's going to happen is everything that's temporal will fall away. And everything that is eternal will remain. So be careful what we live for. Now notice the implication of the fact that God's going to shake up and dismiss all the temporal. Look at verse 28. Therefore, because of this truth, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. See, he was saying this is so beautiful, right? So if God's going to come, and, he's, and he is, Jesus is going to come, he's going to shake everything, and everything's temple is gone. But the one thing that will remain is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Should we not then seek first the kingdom of God? Should we not then be so grateful that we have received a kingdom that will last for eternity? Like, I, I love ones, like, the raptors can win tomorrow night, and it's still going to be shaken. Like, in the end, the NBA Finals trophy will not last. All the money that they could ever earn will not last. All the acknowledgments and the celebrity, it won't, it'll all be shaken. It'll all be shaken. All the hobbies we pursue will be shaken. All the human accomplishments in our lives will be shaken. All the education we think we're so proud of will be shaken. All the physical attributes that we seek to long after right now will be shaken. All the things of this world, all the politicians that reject Christ will be shaken. All the governments that have risen to the top of the, of the hierarchy of the authority will be shaken. All will be shaken. All will be gone. God's like, I'm going to shake you. All the money of the nations, God holds them upside down and shakes it all from their pockets. It's all gone. It's all gone. But there's one thing that will not be shaken. It's the kingdom. And I'm telling you, if you and I have the kingdom, like you want to be grateful for something? There it is. Should we not be grateful for the kingdom that cannot be shaken? And notice the response. And let us worship. You see that? You want to see the Lord act? You, you want to fight through discouragement and fear and doubt? Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe to the God who has granted us an unshakable kingdom. For our God is a consuming fire. Question, are you discouraged? Are you filled with fear? Are you doubting? Listen, listen, ready, ready? Look here, look here, look here, look here. The answer is Jesus, man. Like the answer is Jesus Christ who came and died for your sins, shed his blood on the cross to pay for every single one of your sins if you believe in him. Don't try to work for your salvation. You can't do it. You'll never do enough good deeds. 
to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you will be saved. Then you will know the hope of eternity. Then you have the assurance and filling of the Holy Spirit. Then you know that you belong to God and God belongs to you as you are his child and he is your father, all accomplished only through Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Jesus Christ. This is where life is lived. And I pray our church in growing expectation has a sense, yes, Holy Spirit, fill us, use us, cause us, Lord, cause us to be living for you like we never have before. May it be so, let's pray. May it be so. Father, as I say those words, I am intimately and acutely aware it won't be by might, it won't be by power, but by the Spirit of God, says the Lord of hosts. So Holy Spirit, you are welcome in our hearts, I pray. I pray every man, woman, child right now is agreeing with me in that prayer. You are welcome in my heart. Fill my life. Fill my life. Conquer fear. Pray you override discouragement with encouragement. Pray you are leading your church now, Lord, in such beautiful truths of such high importance. If anyone is here today and you are not saved in Jesus Christ, you are implored to give your life to Jesus that you may not die. How do I do that? Jesus, I believe that you are my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead, defeating death. And Jesus, I invite you. I receive the gift of life through faith in you that I may never die again. Jesus, grant me the assurance of eternal life in this moment. Confess him as Lord and Savior. And the Bible says you shall be saved. Save people today, Jesus. And now I pray, if we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, we will worship. We will worship with joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.